Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. I've got another one that I think you probably can give a, a view on as well. McDonald's always had two suppliers for everything. Uh, and, and, and in fact, they started going out to three at one stage um, because experience teaches you that a fire can happen in, in a plant and you're down to, you know, no plant alternative. Um, and so any solid organization, I think, has to have alternative supplies. But I don't see that happening. Um, Taiwan is still the only source for many companies in this country for electronics. Um, I don't see them looking elsewhere. I mean, what's you know, you got a take on that at all, or am I just, am I just talking out of the top of my hat? Well, you are, but I do have a take. On it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, Peter and I. Sorry, guys, this is just this is the usual Peter and Paul exchange. This is um, the usual no, conversation street. Yes, too. yeah, this yes, is it, Peter and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm glad. I, no, Peter, I was just reading an article on the plane. Last week on that, and and there is no movement there. But the thought process is now we need to we need to start. I was it was a whole thing on reshoring and bringing back the electronic, you know, bringing back circuitry. And that's what happened to the auto industry, right? I mean, right. Not, it it uh, exactly. Uh, Intel ran into some problems, uh, but yeah, to your point, that's I, I think we're going to see it. In fact, we already are. The article said that there's there's going to be a you know a resurgence in reshoring, especially starting with starting with the uh, uh, with the IT you know uh, application and products and services and things like that. That's and I, I think I, a lot of small companies that we deal with and talk to and our, our clients have not taken that as a lesson and they're still dealing with the same one supplier because they've known them for years. And, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's, you, it's, you just, if COVID has taught us anything in the supply chain, it's, yeah, you've got to diversify your supply. Yes. And with that, Peter, to, uh, to back that up on many of the, I watch a lot of the, um, I'll say the venture capital, you know, whether it be, you know, the the pitch presentations, right? Right, right. And love doing that because it's always, even if it's not food and beverage, it's it's like I okay, what are they invest? What are they asking for? Mm. Really, uh, continuity, contingency, and risk mitigation plans. Now, that's almost like a Carfax, right? If you're, that's one of the first things you you never would have seen that maybe five ten years ago in these you know that's right. uh, through M and A activity private hey let's go out let's just grab let's get these new these shiny objects let's get them in but they got them in and all of a sudden oh these are discrete components or products within and oh there is only one supplier or we've got a problem here we I had one I had a supply I won't go into it I had one supplier we had a unique product at Caribou that. It was uh, the product. It was uh, came in from uh, from China or or Taiwan. I can't remember, but it was a you know it was a uh, it was a food product. China would consider that the same thing. It's okay. It was a it was yeah, it was a problem. 
I mean, it was it was okay. What? Here, thank goodness it was an LTO, but it's for those limited time offer. But for some of those who you know where they're standardized, you know, it's a standardized product line and things. Uh, that's what your investment community is looking at right now. And I'm asked a lot when I'll do due diligence for a. Can I see their supply, their tier one suppliers? And do they have, again, think of the, the onion skin, right? Or the, again, what are their specific, how deep do you go on the same, taking that same concept and that same thought process as you go through the supply chain? Granted, you can go down a rabbit hole on something, you know, on indirect uh, indirect materials and things like that. But I'm talking, if, you, if, if companies start, at least start with their key, uh, you know, key components within their formulization, especially if some of those are registered and trademarked, you got to have, you got to have some backup there or, you know, you're, you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the investment following or the interest. You know, that's always like one of the, hmm, okay. Yeah. It's interesting that that's there. It's similar to that EOS too now, right? I know it's a Minneapolis thing, but that's another, from a process standpoint, that's another thing that always, oh, okay, these guys have that. These two boxes are checked already. Yeah, 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 that's true. EOS is being looked at by potential purchasers of companies as being something that's solid because they have an operating system. You're right. So did you have any, um, I know you're still in touch with what goes on at caribou at least you you follow obviously for, same as i do with coca-cola right you were the company 20 odd years then you, you you don't just leave it so did, what issues did they have dur during you know during covid post and how do they deal with them um primarily i'll say labor at the stores was was the biggest and, it, issue. and they're still experiencing it i know yes as you can well as you can see right mm -hmm. i mean that's uh um, from a supply chain standpoint, there was there were some issues that uh, that came up on. I won't say the A line, uh, but more like the secondary or second tier product line. Some of those LTO, uh, and I could see that in some of the you know in some of the locations and some of the conversations I had. I think one of the uh, one of the biggest concerns. Um, was obviously, uh, you know, you think about the uh, green coffee uh, coming in on containers from all around the world. I mean, we had we were always managing uh, uh, the you know the traffic of of containers coming in from you know South America, obviously from Africa, from Indonesia. And you remember when we had the backup at the ports and things that oh, we yeah. had, it was a lot of taking the coconuts and shuffling those around. And that wasn't, uh, I'll say that uh, back to your point on the, if you recall the cost of a container at that time, remember something yeah. about- It was 35,000. Yes, <laughs> think about making a change on something like that. Um, right. So those were, those were some of the, you know, okay, we got to reroute, what are we going to do? Who's, uh, and we had to work that through, you know, there was always, you know, the the partnerships then that we had with our with our other brethren under the umbrella and that was you know Pete's coffee Cura Green Mountain Intelligentsia so I mean there were some thank goodness there was some you know some cohesiveness there where you know you could you could trade those elements but 
Yeah, that's, uh, I, uh, I was reading in that same logistics uh, feed yesterday that it looks like, again, it's happening right now, first week of June anyway, that there's some issues again on the West Coast ports with labor. I'm, it hasn't gone anywhere yet, but it's already, you know, the voices are out there already. So who knows? I, that could be another, that could be another problem. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I actually talking about ports. I mean, that was the bottleneck, but um, I, what's your take on the fact that we're too reliant upon the road system for distribution in this country? Well, or is that even a, a fair comment? It's, you know, Peter, it's one of those that that like we we would accept as, OK, this is what we have to deal with. Right. Yes, right. you're right. I think that's um, and as uh, as that infrastructure begins to, you know, encounter its challenges, look at the freight industry. And mm. I was also thinking about uh, I wanted to dovetail this in with your not only the suppliers, but being very, uh, you know, proactive in uh, scrutinize your your transportation base as well. And mm -hmm. we had set up a, um, I was, I guess back at the time, I, I was smart enough to know what I didn't know. And I'd, I've lost that skill now. I think I know everything. But, I think know, a few I, of us have. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, okay. Yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, but we actually got any a 4PL to, it's like, okay, we don't understand transportation. Let's bring a 4PL. They actually rented space in our, they had office space and everything there and take care of, here's what we need. You know, we're obviously, we have frozen, we have refrigerated, we've got, as the FISMA laws went into to place, we, we wanted to make sure that we were on top of that. And from a transportation standpoint, let's find the best carriers. Let's set up the carrier relationships instead of, we did not, we did not shop ad hoc. And I know, mm. uh, and I still wouldn't do that. It's like, get your supplies, fine. It goes back to my optimization theory that, okay, you're going to save a few cents here on, well, well, wait a minute. I want to make sure this, this carrier is insured it's that, and they've got everything. And let me see who are the brands, who are their other customers that are in our field that they're, oh, okay. And are they in this particular region and how are their service levels and things like that? They had these algorithms on a TMS system that they had transportation management system that they had okay. put together for us. And it was, it was custom. It was pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the time we had, uh, we had many folks, CH Robinson, we had a lot of folks in the area here, to, you know, and they helped us out from an ad hoc basis, but we did, uh, we had to set up a self distribution uh, network. And I think you and I've had those conversations that, um, I'll go to your old, a good example was your old, your company, Coke, they said, hey, you know, oh, we got to do a, if I recall, a 10, 10 case minimum drop at these stores. And I, I said, we can't do that. I said, we only have X amount of square feet in here. And this is our shelf. This is what we have. And Coke, we had come from Pepsi. You know, Michael Coles brought the Coke brand in from Pepsi. So we had, we did, we had just done all that. And I, you know, I was putting myself out there going, oh, boy, you know what? <laughs> I, 
I've launched, I've lit that fuse. Um, but it was interesting that the Coca-Cola group here in Minneapolis, we actually set up then an arrangement. Again, I'm talking years ago now, so I don't know what the arrangements, let me make sure that I, I'm clear on that. I don't know what those are, what, what those arrangements are now, but it was great to work from a relationship standpoint with the Coke plant. I think it was in Egan and we would simply pick up uh, they allowed us to pick up a pickup fee. We would redistribute through our system. It was yeah. great. They worked with us, and I'll just say there was a there was a significant savings there. Not only from a you know from a service standpoint, but think about uh, freeing up the space inside the you know inside inside our our you know our stores, our back rooms. That's why Peter. That's why we we weaned ourselves away from full service with the Cisco's and the Reinhardt's and Gordon's. Yes, we use, you know, again, I'm, I've left now, I, who knows what they're, you know, with all the acquisitions where they're at, but at the time we decided, you know, self-distribution was the way to go. We saved lots of money doing that. And we were able to discreetly um, satisfy each one of the stores in a regional area by utilizing the local dairies. They loved it. Right. Now we're adding on to their, we would simply do a cross dock in their location and they would take care of the rest for us. The frozen would come in from a warehouse in Wisconsin and we would just match that up, you know, and of course, send it across the road if we're going to Arizona or, you know, across the state. But we learned to set up these supply lines and because um, as these thoughts come into my mind, you know, I dementia, I got to make sure I, um, as the, we would also manage full truckloads. It was like, I did not, I was not a fan of LTL. It was like, let's do, so what we would do then is then. LTL? Um, less than truckload, sorry. Thank you. Okay. Really good. Um, and you know how expensive LTL costs are. Yeah. So we would, we always uh, optimize through this particular uh, uh, group that uh, they would take care of then they would, they would fill out the rest of the uh, the rest of the trailer with orders to our grocery lines, to our uh, uh, you know our office coffee services and things, and we'd go into a particular network like the North, like the Carolina region or Atlanta, Georgia. But along with that, they would you know they would leverage that load with several stops. It was brilliant. Again, not not my idea. It was I was had a great staff and great talent behind me to. But that was some, it was somebody's idea there to to put that uh, put that together. So it's funny just, just describing so. the um, the, uh, the the way that you took back control really of your distribution in the Coke thing. Uh, Ron and I were at a meeting uh, yesterday. God, is it only yesterday morning, Ron? Where uh, Terry Wu was talking to us about stress, and uh, two of the factors there was uh, to reduce stress is control and predictability. <laughs> and those are two of the things that you basically did by taking back control from Coke on your own distribution. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, but I think the relationship thing is what I, I, I take really from what you're talking about. Yes, that it, you absolutely, Peter. It was like, hey, we need you as a, a partner. We, we yeah. need you as a partner. I'm glad you said that because that was what I – I had partnerships down here that so many – as I, uh, it, it, as you go into your clients and talk to them, most are starting to see the value of a partnership 
versus this is it's you know remember the 80s and the 90s and you know, watch the movies and it was all about us and profit and you know you it's, no you've got to make sure your partner is profitable as well especially going back to your you know when you talk about your supply outages and your you know they made in uh, during covid a lot of these suppliers made their decisions based on a number of reasons and one of them was a relationship too as well i know Financially, it was the first, but if there was a, and the also rans, what do you think if you're in that 20 group, who pays on time, right? Who has, yeah. who honors our lead times, right? Who yeah. plays by our rules? And when we used to have, we started business reviews uh, that I, I asked our, our procurement group then, when they sat down with our major suppliers and they had to do this once a quarter, you know, sometimes in, in the tier two is at least once a year, but I'd have them send them out a questionnaire. Yes, they're our supplier, we're their customer, but I wanna know, are we paying on time? Are we, da, 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 da? are we, you know, how are we as a customer? And they would, you know, it, it worked out well because they felt like there was a, that they had some ownership and they had some say in how the relationship was going. So I don't know I, if you're I, doing that or whatever, but it was, uh, it worked out great, you know, back in the day. I, I find that fascinating because I, um, I'll tell you why. I wonder if those relationships and, and Ron, here's where my head's going now is there's a, there has, there's a culture thing here, which is right. That partnership has, to, you know, it, it develops a culture between your supplier and so the whole and I wonder if those relationships held or have held since COVID where it was almost forced. Isn't that it? That would, you know, Peter, I'd like to ask a third party. That would be interesting. Because yeah, it would, it? as we find out, even as you hear the coal manufacturer, right, let's go to the coal man. And, and especially with the, um, you know, with the visionaries and they have their product and and. God bless them. They're all, you know, they're all ready to get their, they're ready to go into their co-manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And I had a client who had several SKUs and wanted to customize their packaging. And I was like, wait a minute, why don't we go in here first and let's find out what they're using. You know, if it's brand centric that, you know, if that's one thing, if it isn't, if it's indirect or we can, we can leverage together with them. Let's optimize the purchases between the two of us. And it, mm -hmm. it's a win for all. And, and I think, um, I think a lot of the, the you know, uh, the more advanced and uh, the progressive companies, they've, they've adopted that. But I find that a lot with those that are either have been locked away from that for a while, or they're just getting started, or it's never entered into their mind. They're, they're going into a co-manufacturer like, I'm going to go in and get everything. No, you've these folks have to be profitable. I was a co-manufacturer as well at you know at Caribou. We would do some products every once in a while for you know. We said we're uh, we've got to make sure that they're profitable. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to submit a question, email successauthorities at inquire at successauthorities.com.